Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. And I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, won't you shout amen? amen. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And I want you to answer a question for yourself today. Who's in the room with you? Mark chapter 5, verse 22. You might say, well, AJ, all you got to do is look up and see. You can see who's sitting beside me. Who's in the room of your heart? Who's in the room of your mind? There's keys. The Bible talks about keys. When Jesus rose with power from the grave... He came up with the keys of death and hell. The book of Revelation also says that Jesus holds the key of David. And the key of David, when it opens a door, no man can shut it. There's things that when God makes a, when God moves on behalf of your faith, man can't undo it. It also says that when God shuts a door, no man can open it. There are some things that God can close off by faith and no man's going to open it again. There are keys to victorious living. And one of the keys, you imagine there's a key ring. We had um, Gregory. I can't think of his first name. It was Chad. Chad Gregory came by and he helped us out with a little bit. We had a, uh, a little problem with a, a heat and air thing, and he had a bunch of keys. So he said, well, I probably got keys to every church in Lawrence County that my father acquired. He said, the problem is he didn't mark any of them. Just because you got a bunch of keys on a key ring, if you don't know how to turn the lock, it ain't going to do any benefit to you. One of the keys to a victorious life in Christ is answering this question that I put before you today. Who is in the room of your heart and in your mind? And who is in your sphere of influence or who you're hanging around with, who you're running with? Because right thinking and right relationships will determine the trajectory of your life. Right thinking and right relationships will determine whether you win in this life as God has prescribed in His Word or you don't. And we're going to see this example in Mark chapter 5, verse 22. And I think what we're going to do, I was trying to, just seeking the Lord on best way to bring this across. And I think what we're going to do, we're going to read the passage and then we're going to work our way back through it. So let's start at verse 21, Mark 5, verse 21. 
Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, Jesus, he fell at his feet, verse 23, and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. Verse 24, So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, skip down to verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he saw an uproar, and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why do you make this commotion? What's all the to-do for? And weep. The child's not dead, but sleeping. Verse 40, they ridiculed him. But when he had put all of them outside, he took the father, the mother of the child, and those who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talithia kuma, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years old of age, and they were overcame with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that some, something should be given to her to eat. If you believe God's word, I want you to say amen. Now look at this, verse 22. I want you to see this. The first thing you've got to see is when you come to God in faith, he's going to answer you. It's that simple. It is that simple. When you come to God believing, as the Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please God. But that means the opposite as well. With faith, you please God. And what is faith? Hebrews eleven six. It's believing that God is. He is who he says he is. You agree with God. What's faith? Agreeing with God. What's faith? Living like God is actually telling you the truth. Basing your life and your decisions on what God's Word has said because you know if He said it, it can't be a lie. Amen. And also, it's two parts. Hebrews eleven six, believing that God is and the rewarder. Someone say rewarder. Of those that diligently seek Him. If I come to God in faith, I won't be denied. I shall not be denied. And this is the first thing I want you to see. You've got to get this down path. Verse 22, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he begged him earnestly. He's praying. You say, oh, well, AJ, he ain't praying. He's talking to Jesus. That's prayer. Amen. Yeah, but Jesus was right there in front of him. Let me tell you something. You will get to a whole other level in your prayer life when you see and understand that when I go to God in the name of Jesus, I am in his presence. 
And it don't matter if Jesus came and touched down right here at 743 East Main Street. I am no less in His presence right now by the Holy Ghost than if He were to stand in front of me. Some people got a, I wish I was there theology. Oh, bless God, I wish I was with Jesus back when He walked just to follow behind Him. Let me tell you something. The blood of Jesus has been shed so that the self-same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead may indwell in you. And you are seated in heavenly places. I don't need Jesus to come down. Spiritually, I'm up there with Him. Amen. I'm just operating as an ambassador of Christ on this earth in His stead, speaking His word, obeying Him. But notice this. Jairus came to Jesus and he asked him, Come with me. See, at the point that Jairus leaves, there's a few things you can pick up here just knowing who he is. He's a chief ruler. Someone say chief ruler. He goes out in public and he hears that Jesus is close by and he needs a miracle from God. When you have a need, don't waste time going to man. Go to God. He will provide your every need. Now, he may give you wisdom and instruction to go and do this or that in the natural, but always go to God. Never be like the person I heard one time. Well, my goodness, I don't know what to do. I guess it's come finally to this. We ought to pray. Let's pray now. Why didn't you start with prayer? Why didn't you begin in the secret place of the Father? Why not go to the one that doesn't have wisdom but authored wisdom? So Jairus, he hears that Jesus is there, but he's a chief ruler in the synagogue. The buddies he runs with hate Jesus. Well, how do you know that? Well, one of his fellow cohorts is Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus went to go see Jesus too, but he went in the nighttime. Why do you do something in the nighttime? Because you don't want people to see you. Amen. Amen. I've ran outside a few times. Uh, I won't give away too much detail, but I wasn't in my street clothes, and I ran out to the mailbox and back, but I didn't do it in the broad daylight. I did it in the pitch black dark. Oh, I forgot to get the mail. Oh, Lord. If I run quick, they won't see me. Hallelujah. It's dark. Under the cover of darkness. Amen. My father told me many times when I had the power, think about this, the power to drive, the ability to drive, but not full authority to drive when I wanted, where I wanted. He told me, look, at a certain time you need to be home because ain't nothing good happening after that time. He said, even if you ain't doing it, there's a bunch of people out there doing a whole lot of bad and you don't need to even be around it or there. You know, there are just some things that are done under the cover of darkness. Nicodemus was a chief ruler, but he didn't go out in broad daylight. He went at nighttime to see Jesus. But Jairus says, I got to get something that I can't get from man. And I know someone who's greater than man. And if I just get to him, I'll get the answer I need. So he goes to Jesus. He falls at the feet of Jesus. He humbles himself. Oh, I'm thinking about 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will first humble themselves and pray, then I'll hear their prayer. Repent. Then I'll hear their prayer and heal their land. You know, as a Christian, just as a side note, as a Christian, you should pray for your city, for your county, for your state, for this nation, for the body of Christ in America. And even if you've not done it, you should do like Daniel did. God, forgive us for the wrong we've done. Well, I didn't do no wrong. I know you ain't. But you ask. That's the role of an intercessor. 
asking on the behalf. It's humbling yourself to the point say, I'll stand in the gap for someone else. When you humble yourselves, James chapter 4, under the mighty hand of God, He will exalt you. But let me tell you about this. One form of pride is, I'll take care of it myself. Ah, well, you know, maybe God's too busy. I've heard, I heard one, one precious lady say that one time. So, this person was believing God for a car. How many believe God wants you to have a car? Amen? Yeah. You all didn't raise your hand. Go ahead and sign the title deed over to me, and I'll open up a used car lot here. Amen. We'll move it out. I'll even be so holy and get half of the proceeds to the gospel. Amen. And the other half will go in my bank account. Hallelujah. Isn't that holy? God wants you to have a way to get somewhere. Praise God. And so this person was believing God for a car, and someone very close to him said, well, now look, God's got a lot of people praying to him, and that's, you know, it's a car. Maybe you should just figure out another way. You shouldn't really, you know, ask God for a car. I mean, it's a car after all. God's got a lot of people praying prayers to him. As if, Father God, in the throne room, memos are coming across, coming by. It's 442. Gabriel, go ahead and shut down the prayer line. It's almost 5 o'clock, but I can't take it anymore. Too many prayers are coming in. My goodness. You know, I wasn't going to say, you know, my Lord, but he'd have to say, oh, me, because he is the Lord. Hey, shut it down. Oh, it's too much. It's too much. They're asking too much of me. There ain't nothing that God can't provide for you that's in his promises and in his will. And knowing that he will give you what you ask of him, Here's the thing. God's going to meet you at your level of faith. Look here. What does Jairus ask? 23. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. And you won't find one time in the ministry of Jesus where he says no. That's man's theology. Sometimes God will do it and sometimes he won't. Blessed be the Lord. How many knows God's like a traffic light? Hallelujah. Sometimes it's stop. Sometimes it's yellow, which means slow, but for half of y'all, I've seen y'all drive, it means accelerate. Hit it fast, quick, get through the light. <laughs> Amen, hallelujah. I've been out in the parking lot when y'all coming in and leaving. Amen. I might need a ride, but I ain't crazy. Hallelujah. I've seen it. And then God's also, it's like green light, which means go, but that didn't happen in 72 years, bless God. He's just been saying red light stop and slow on down. But I believe one day he's going to give me that green light. Hallelujah. Have you checked the circuit breaker? Because that light needs to turn green for you. That ain't what God does. When you come in faith, he answers every time. When it's on the word, when it's what he's promised. Well, what, 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 you know, what if I need something that ain't in the Word? You ain't looked hard enough. Amen. I found my wife in the Word. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 1, no, Proverbs 18, 22. Right before where it says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Right before that it says he who finds a wife has found a good thing and obtained favor from God. Amen. Hallelujah. I quote that when I take her shopping. Glory to God, I've got favor, Lord. Hallelujah. I don't care where she's going, the altar, whatever. Buy the makeup, baby. I've got favor. <laughs> Lord, you gave her to me. You, you, I know you're going to provide now. I found my daughter in the Word. Proverbs, 13, Proverbs of Psalms 113.9. He makes the barren woman to be a keeper of house and a joyful mother of children. I ain't, I ain't, there ain't nothing I need that I ain't found in the Word. I got it. Peace, love, joy. I got it. Holy Ghost, I've got it. It's in the Word. 
Now think about this. Jesus is going to meet you at the level of your faith. Jairus said, if you come with me and lay your hands on her, I know she'll be healed. Because when I left, she was dying. But I know, even if the guys I run with think you ain't real, I think you're real. By your petition, when you ask God something on the basis of His worth, it is an act of faith. He knows you believe Him because you asked. Now notice this. I jumped over it, and I ain't got time to get into it. It's a message in itself. But why did I jump down to verse 35? Because between 25 and 34 is that precious woman with the issue of blood. But I need to say this. God meets you at your level of faith. Jairus says, if you come with me and lay your hands on her, she'll be healed. And Jesus goes with them. Didn't say no. He didn't say red light, yellow light, all that silliness. He said, let's go. On the way to going to Jairus' house to raise his daughter up from death, this precious little woman who has suffered with a blood disease for 12 years. Can you imagine that? Long suffering. I want to let you know something. Whether Satan has attacked you last night or it's been a long steady attack, there is nothing too long or too short that God can't free you from. He'll break the bondage and chains and the nagging and vexation of Satan that has no authority to be in your life. Well, it's been around for a long time. Even better, God will blast that thing out of you. Now what happens? She says, she didn't just make it up. She knows that the prophet Malachi said, the son of righteousness, when he comes, he will rise with healing in his wings. In the Hebrew, that means there will be so much health and life and healing in him, it will flow out to the very extremities of his clothing. The Hebrew men, I know a man here in Lawrence who does the tassels, but the, at the hem of their garment they would have tassels that represent the covenant. Someone say covenant. And that precious woman said, I ain't even got to talk to him. If I just grab a hold of the covenant, I'll get what he said I could have, which is healing in his wings. And she does it. Jesus will meet you at your level of faith. Jair said, come with me and lay your hands. Little woman said, I ain't even got to talk to him. I don't have to stop him. Just let me slip on by and touch the anointing, and I'll get what I have need of. Now, why do I make that point? Because you don't need to try to do what someone else is doing, or you don't need to come under condemnation. Believe God where you're at. It's a, faith is like a muscle. Faith is like a muscle. I, if I'm going to work out, I'm going to do one or two things. Either martial arts, or I got this power cage in my, in my uh, garage that I lift weights. And never, I, I've been doing it about seven, eight years, and I still ain't hit heavy as numbers as Daniel did in high school. He made me look bad when he told me about how many of the numbers he hit on his squat. I, like, I don't even want to talk to you anymore, man. You, my, my, my one rep max was your warm-up weight. My goodness. But here's the thing. It's a muscle. Whatever, whatever my threshold is, my one rep max... I'm going to say, well, bless God, I'm going to go in there and put 200 more pounds on that bar and squat that thing. No, what will, what will happen? Laura will hear a boom, and she'll run out the garage, and I'll be half passed out. Look, Lester Summerall said it this way. Don't believe God for a seven-tier cake if you hadn't got a cupcake from him yet. 
Get the cupcake. You don't need more faith. You need to use the faith you've got. Every day, every week, every month, every year, let your faith reach out and grab something. Continually have faith goals. We've got natural goals. We've got financial goals. We've got house goals. We've got children goals. Reach out by faith. Always have a faith goal that you're reaching for. Always stretch in the things of God. Because God's going to meet you where your faith's at. And God is going to move on based on what you ask him. Jairus said, come with me, lay hands on her. Little woman with the issue of blood said, if I just touch him. Right before this, the centurion man said, I know how it works, Jesus. You're a Hebrew. I'm a Gentile. Don't even come to my house. Just speak the word. Amen. Every one of them got what they asked of God. God's not a respecter of persons. He answers the prayer of faith. Now look at this. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, here's Jesus. Can you imagine, Jairus? It doesn't tell us, but you can imagine. And that's all it is. I'm not going to say this is word. or It's just my opinion. It's just imagination. But Jairus left the house. His daughter is dying at the point of death. He's got one last hope, which was the best hope he could have. Jesus. And this precious woman, <laughs> this precious woman gets a miracle from God. Now, I don't, I'm not saying he thought this, but I will say this. It could be very human of someone to say, don't she know my daughter's dying? Can't she get her miracle on the way back when he's leaving the house? Faith works by love. Look at this, Romans chapter 12, verse 15. I'm gonna have, we're going we're to stay in Mark 5 pretty much all today, but I want you to see this. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Start at 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. You can block the answering of your prayers and the promises of God by being so focused into yourself that when someone else gets an answer from God, it turns your heart bitter. We rejoice when someone else rejoices. And we weep when others weep. See, you cast your burdens on Christ. But we're called to carry one another's burdens. You don't need to carry your own. You need to be freed up so that you can come along a brother and sister in Christ Jesus and bear them up in the time of need. But you will never get anything from God if your whole prayer life is, Lord, bless me, my wife, us four, and no more. Hallelujah. In fact, I would say this. You want to turn on the flow of answered prayer in your life, spend more time praying for other people than yourself. Well, what about my needs? What about my needs? God will answer them. God will answer them. But I see this in Scripture. When, G when Jesus teaching on prayer, he teaches about the man. 
He got bread for the whole household, but he went to get bread for the people that were traveling through. He said, I, these people, they've come in. It's Luke 11. He said, these people are coming by. They're traveling. They've come to my home. It's late at night. I ain't got nothing to feed them. He goes to his friend, and it says because of his persistence, his importunity. It wasn't convenient, but he said, I got to have bread to take it back to these folks. And he said, okay, because you've asked, I'll give you bread. And he had bread for the whole household. You, you know, you, if, if you decide, again, I, I, I just see that in my spirit. You, you can be around someone and say, well, I don't know why God won't do that for me. And you will cut yourself off by bitterness. Rejoice. First Re- Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many thankful for the ministry and gifts of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Those power gifts. Hallelujah. But at, in verse 26, it says we're one all together. If one is honored, we're all honored. If one's hurting, we're all hurting. And so I can only put myself in Jairus' shoes here, and I think his heart must have been turned toward Jesus so holy that bitterness would not creep in. Rather, what I think happened, he said, my goodness, she got, I didn't even know she needed something from Jesus. I made my petition and request public. I didn't even know she needed something, and she got something on the way to me getting my miracle. Now look at this, verse 35. And while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter's dead, why trouble the teacher any further? Here comes the bad report. Here came the bad report. When you believe God, when you choose to walk with Christ, that does not mean there will be no bad reports that come your way. Amen. It doesn't mean all opposition. Some people think that. Brother Hagin would say, say, some people think that we are to lay on flowery beds floating down rivers of ease all through the life. That the promises of God just fall on our head like ripe fruit falling off a branch. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Think about the children of Israel when they go up to the promised land. The entire book of Deuteronomy is Moses reminding them two things. God has given you the land, now go possess it. He's given it to you, now possess it. He's given it to you, now go get it. It's yours, go get it. Yeah, but what's the bad report? There's giants in the land. They're on your land. Go get it. It don't matter if there's giants there. If God says it's yours, it's yours, which means he's going to take the giants out. How? I don't know. Sometimes God gets creative. Sometimes he tells you to shout and walls fall down. Sometimes he tells you to go to sleep and an angel in the middle of the night wipes out 185 enemy soldiers, 185,000 enemy soldiers to where they wake up the next day. It's funny because the Bible says they woke up and they were all corpses. And I'm thinking, who woke up if they were all corpses? But obviously someone was alive that woke up and said, everybody's dead, we're out of here. I don't know how. I don't need to know how. Naomi, she doesn't know how the remote works. She really doesn't to the TV. But she knows if she can get that remote to me, I will turn on super simple songs on YouTube and I will hear all these songs, down by the bay where the watermelons grow, and she'll start dancing. She don't need to know how it works, but she knows how to get it. Well, if I just knew. Faith is knowing this. If God said it, it's mine. What about the bad report? Don't matter. Because here's the thing, verse 36. 
As soon, Mark 5, 36. As soon as Jesus, someone say heard. heard. Heard what? The word that was spoken. He said the bad word was combated with God's word. The word of the world, the bad report, was counteracted with God's word. He said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. The account that the Holy Spirit spoke through Luke in Luke 8.50 adds this, fear not, believe only, she shall be made whole. Jairus has a choice. You have a choice. Which thoughts, which word, which report are you going to allow into the room of your heart? Because he's got two reports. Your daughter's dead, give it up. Fear not, only believe. Which one are you going to run with? That's the choice. That's the walk of faith. That's, you, you, you just make that decision every day you wake. Every day you wake up, you're making that decision. Whose report shall I believe? Isaiah 53, 1. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? I've talked on that before. But the power of God is revealed to the person that believes the report of the Lord. That's faith. That's how faith works. In the midst of every other voice and every other opinion saying it can't be, give up, go on, forget about it, you say, God has given me a higher report. God has given me a higher word. Yeah, but you're just talking about words. That's how the words are the vehicle that the power of God rides in. You want the power of God to show up in your life? The promises of God to pass, uh, come to pass in your life? It comes on the back of the word. And that's what he's saying here. You've got two choices. You can believe the report of the world and have what they say you can have. Or you can believe the report of heaven and have heaven invade earth. Uh, pastor was talking about his, his life verse, which it is, Galatians 6, 7. But just two verses after that. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, if your strength fails in the day of adversity, your strength was small. This is why when you pair it to James 1 where it says, count it all joy when you fall into trials or temptations. Now notice, what is biblical trials and temptations? It is Satan trying to get you off of what God's given you. It's persecution from wickedness. It ain't sickness. It ain't, I charge up my four credit cards, now I can't make my bills. Oh, God, you said you was going to provide for me. Well, no, look, if you, can't, if you can't resist every clearance sale that, by the way, they have every two weeks at every store, I don't know if you've noticed that. I was looking at some suits, and, I, and here's the thing. Everybody's got a clearance. It's a winter clearance. In two weeks, it'll be spring clearance. Then it'll be an Easter clearance. Then it's we love May clearance. Then a summer clearance. If you can't stop that and you just charge it, bless God, charge it. El Shaddai, charge it. Look, you, you ain't going to have the promises of God. Because you can say the report and not believe it. How do I know I believe it? You act on it. Action. Verse 37. He permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, John, and the brother of James. 
and he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. Jairus kept on going. He didn't turn Jesus away. He kept on going. Where faith is, that's where Jesus is. Where faith, where the word of God is and being acted upon, that's where the spirit of God is. That's where the anointing of God is. The anointing that breaks the yoke is where the word of God is found. The power of faith is manifested at the point of obedience. And, and Jairus didn't give up. He kept on going. You know, we, how many have heard 1 Corinthians 15, 57? It's a beautiful promise. But thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Powerful. And immediately after that, the Spirit of the Lord says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So it's a twofold thing, isn't it? You've got the victory because Jesus won it. Now don't move off of it. You've got the victory because Jesus paid for it. So stay in the victorious place. Jesus said to Jairus, fear not, only believe. Because fear and faith can't live in the same place. What is faith? Believing that God has said what he said is true. What's fear? Believing whatever the world has said is true. Fear and faith won't coincide. Who's in the room of your heart? Fear of faith. Because they, they don't live in the same place. They don't shack up together. They, they, they live alone. Fear of faith. They don't come together. They won't split rent. Fear of faith. Because you're going to have to choose one or the other. And when you make a choice, you refuse to be moved off of it. It may mean there's some mocking. It may mean there's some persecution. It may mean some people laugh. Look at what happened. Verse 38. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and they saw an uproar in those who wept and wailed loudly. Now, like Jesus, he had a different spirit. When he came in, he said to them, Why are you making this commotion and weep? The child's not dead, but sleeping. Verse 40. They ridiculed him. They mocked him. They made an open show of him. They laughed at him. He don't know nothing. I thought he was supposed to be the Messiah. He can't even tell that this girl's dead. But when you lock onto the word of God, you have a hope that is above the circumstances of this world. It's above the voice of this world. It's what Abraham had to do. Again, another common verse that we know, Romans 4.17, that God is the God who calls things that be not as though they were. In that particular instance, he called Abraham, a man who had no sons, a father of nations. He called what was not as if it were. It's not denying what is. It's saying what I'm calling about will overcome what is and change it and bring it into obedience. In that next verse, Romans 4.18, it says, Abraham against hope believed in hope. It's a little weird, isn't it? It's a little strange. It could be a little confusing. But let me make it a little bit simpler. Against natural hope, Abraham believed in the hope of God. Because Abraham, if he uses his eyes, he says, I'm 99, I'm too old, and my wife, I love her, but she's too old. She's past the woman uh, age of childbearing. And if we look at our bodies, they're dead when it comes to childbearing. He has no natural hope. 
and against natural hope, in opposition to natural hope, he said, I'm going to hope in God. I'm going to hope in the Word. And when you get your hope settled in the Word of God, it don't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter if people mock. It doesn't matter if people laugh. It doesn't matter if people call you silly or stupid. It doesn't matter. Oh, you believe in that fairy up in the sky, don't you? Well, let me tell you something. I will stand before the Alpha and Omega, he who has eyes that burn like fire, and he will say to this guy right here, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And if you bet, if you got any sense, you'll turn right now in Jesus' name. I'm not, I'm not going to be moved by the word of this world. Because I'll just get what they got. I'll get what they got. Now, here's the thing about that hope word in Romans 4, 18, where it says, against hope, he believed in hope. He believed in the hope of God. Ellipsis, E-L-P-I-S, 53 times. I'm just trying to impress you, but all I did was look in the Strong's Concordance. 53 times in the New Testament, it's translated hope. But one time, I'm not that smart, I just got Google, praise God. But one time, it's translated faith. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful who's promised. You've got a different word. There's two words coming your way, the word of the world, the word of God. And if you won't let go of the word of God, he who has given you that word is faithful and will produce in your life what he's promised. He will bring it to pass. It's my choice. So receiving from God's my choice. Won't you say this out loud? Say receiving from God is my choice. Well, bless God, when the Lord gets ready, I know He's going to move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He better move for some of us. We ain't going to be here too much longer. Hallelujah. No, the Lord, He has moved. Romans eight thirty two. If He's given His Son... What good thing is he going to withhold now? He gave you the best he had. What's he going to withhold now? Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Here's the thing. I'm not waiting for God to move. Jairus wasn't waiting. Well, bless God, if Jesus wants to heal her, pray, Lord, that he just come on by my house. He left the house. He went and found Jesus. He said, come with me. Because I know if you come with me and do what you do, my daughter is going to be made well. Everything's going to be all right. And in the process of that miracle working power, he had a choice, an opportunity to doubt God. Believing in God will bring you to a place of testing. Are you going to continue to believe? Noah, building the ark. But there ain't no rain right now. What you building the ark for, Noah? It's going to rain. No, it ain't going to rain. What are you crazy for? Why don't you come out here and party with us? Drinking and giving in marriage and all kind of wild, crazy, sinful things. Why don't you come join us? No, 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 because rain's coming. He had eyes of faith. The eyes of faith will see what the eyes of the natural can't see. And when you get your eyes of faith opened up wide, you'll begin to live different. And it may draw some flag. It may draw something. But what do you do with the wailers and the mockers? Verse 40. They ridiculed him. But when he put them all outside, someone say outside. Who's in the room with you? Don't let the wailers and the mockers in the room with you. Right thinking and right relationships, a key to victory. 
You got a TV on your wall, I'm sure, in your living room. Don't allow filth and wickedness to come in your house by way of that TV, that smartphone, <laughs> Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Uh-oh, I'm meddling. I thought I was preaching. Amen. Don't allow wickedness to come in. Don't allow the wailing and the mocking. Cut ties with it. Because here's the thing. Your mind is your mind. You choose what you think on. You have a choice to what lives in the room of your mind and in the room of your heart. And you have a choice who you run with. You have a choice who that you are yoked up with. The Bible talks about that in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 14. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, we often talk about that in context of marriage and dating and relationships. But you can have a Holy Ghost-filled, faith-filled spouse and be running with guys at, from work, and all they're doing is filling your ears and your eyes with sin and destruction. Well, you know, I like to go and minister with them. You should soul win. You should witness. But let me tell you something. The witness field is not every Saturday night at the strip club. Hallelujah. Well, you know, bless God, I just like to go make sure they stay away from sin. My friend, my friend, my friend, I don't teach my child to stay away from the stove by putting my face on the hot eye. <laughs> Unequally yoked. Say unequally yoked. Don't, what, is that, what does that look like? You ever watched a Western movie and you see the wagons and they got a team of horses and they, it's two by twos, right? And they've got a yoke that hold those two horses together so they'll go lockstep together. Don't yoke yourself up with someone that's going somewhere you don't want to go. And when Jesus gets here, he says, before I do something, we're going to have to get these mockers out of the house. Before I do something, I'm going to have to get the weeping and wailing out of this house because people don't weep and cry for living girls. Same way with your thinking. The Bible talks about that in Ephesians 4. You've got to put off the old man. Renew the spirit of your mind and put on the new man in Christ Jesus. How many, take, how many, how many takes baths every day? No, don't raise your hand. I'll just go by faith. You take a bath every day. Hallelujah. How many, though, enjoy taking a bath or a shower with your clothes on? Yeah, that would be a little weird, wouldn't it? There's a there's better way to wash your clothes. Amen. It's got an express cycle. You just push the button, throw it in the washing machine. You've got to take something off, get cleaned up, and put something clean on. It's no different than with your mind. Some people's minds need to go through a heavy soil level, hot water, extra rinse, double spin, and then hang to dry. Because your spirit may be saved, but if you keep fill, filling your mind and eyes and ears with junk, the life and power of God will be tamped down and eventually pushed out. you got to have right thinking to receive from God. You've got to have right thinking, right relationships. That's the first thing Jesus did when he gets here. He doesn't even know where the girl's at yet. 
He puts the ridiculers out. He puts the mockers out. Isaiah 61.3, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes. That's a change, isn't it? Beauty for ashes. You've, you, you've now that you're saved, instead of mourning, God's given you the oil of joy. Why do why you like to dance and, and sing and praise the Lord, AJ? Because I was a mourner. But now I'm a joyful, joyful, saved and redeemed person. And I can't help it, but that's joy's on the inside, so it just comes out. He's given you a garment of praise, and he took from you the spirit of heaviness. That you may be called trees of righteousness. The Lord's planting, and that he might be glorified in you. You remove the weeping and wailing because he who brings joy has come. Now notice this. Some people may mock. What do you do? Well, you know, you just endure it. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't think anywhere under where we talk about soul winning in the Bible when it talks about going and winning souls. In fact, Jesus said this point blank. When you go to a city, you preach the gospel. If they don't receive you, leave. And don't take anything with them. Dust off your feet and even leave their dust with them. You can't afford to have doubt dust on the bottom of your feet. Get on out leave them. Because here's the thing. I truly believe this. Every person has the right to hear the gospel once. But before I tell someone the 117th time the gospel, I should say, well, now, wait a minute. They got a choice. They got ears. They got a heart. All have been given the measure of faith to believe. Do I keep kicking my foot against the pricks? Or do I go where others might hear and believe and be saved? That's what God does. He gives doors of opportunities for people, for nations. And I believe America is in its last door. I didn't say over. It's in its last door. And based on what we do here as a church and the church of America will do and come up under the word of God and pay a price for the anointing of God determines whether the nation goes in the door or not. I just truly believe that. I, I know it in my spirit. But here's the thing. Though some may laugh, they laughed at Jesus. Though some may laugh, you're going to get the last laugh. Psalms 126.1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, when he turned things around, we were like them that had a dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter. Who's laughing now? I'm laughing now. And our tongue singing. And then they said among the heathen, the people who were laughing, this is what they said now. My goodness, the Lord's done great things for them. When the power of God shows up in your life, it's undeniable. To where people who aren't believers will have to stand and declare the works of the Lord. It's, a, it's, a, it's an event that happens from time to time that is foreshadowing what will happen all over existence at the point that Christ comes back and builds his kingdom on the earth at the second coming. Every knee will bow. Every tongue is going to confess. And from then until now, it happens all the time by the power of God. And people that don't believe say, I don't know what it was. I know he said it believes in God. It must be, but I don't believe in God, but I can't just explain that. Right. Well, that's fine. I don't need you to explain it. I got what I needed from God. And Jesus, he cleared the room. He gets there and he clears the room. He cut the ties. There are some relationships... There are levels of relationship. 
I want, I want you to understand this. This isn't, well, this is what young people need to hear. This is what older people need to hear. The people at work, no. This is just a, this is a foundational kingdom principle. We do not have relationship with evil Amen. and wickedness. Amen. You're not going to play with sin and stand in the presence of a holy God. In ways and entry points for sin is wrong relationships. It's, called, it's what the Bible calls familiarity. What is that? That's when things that shouldn't have happened happened, and you stand back and say, how did that happen? I always kind of felt weird when this person was around, but I ignored it, even though it was the Holy Spirit. No, this happens all the time. I, felt, I always felt a little strange, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then something wild, crazy, sinful comes out that so-and-so did this. Take, when, when there's a red alert, beep, 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 from the Holy Spirit, take action on it. Don't go down with the sinking ship. Cut the ties of wrong relationships. Cut the ties of wrong thinking. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, every thought, not some, not most, not 99.9, every thought that comes into your mind, you judge that thought. Why are you judging it? To see if it measures up to the truth of God's word. And in the Greek, it literally means as a, as a soldier who watches his post, and the thought comes by, and it stops, need to see your ID. Mm, okay, you're good, go ahead. No one come. let me see. Oh, you're a traitor, kill him, execute him, bam, gone. That's how intense the scripture is right there. You judge every thought, and if it matches the word of God, it gets to live in your mind. If it doesn't, you execute it and get it out of your mind. Because the way the God of peace rules in your mind is Philippians 4.8. He says, Philippians 4.9, the God of peace will rule in your heart. But verse 8 is the prescription to peace when you think on these things that are pure, holy, lovely, just, praiseworthy, beautiful, of a good report. When you think on these things, then the God of peace dwells in your heart. Peace is a choice. It's not a feeling. Peace is a choice by what I think on. Think about Jairus. He's right here. He's got rehearsing in his mind because that's the way Satan works. Your daughter's dead. Your daughter's dead. This is hopeless. Why are you going? Give up. Give up. Give up. Give up. Those thoughts are flashing across his mind. And what is he doing? One step in front of the other toward his house. Nope. No, no, no. Jesus said, fear not. Only believe. I'm going to believe. I'm believing. I believe. I believe I'll have what I say. I believe that I asked Jesus if he'll come and lay hands on her, she'll be whole, and he agreed. I know it. I just saw this woman. She got what she needed from Jesus. I'm going to get what I need from Jesus. We're here. He's clearing out the room. He's making room for a miracle. He's getting rid of the wailers, the mockers, and the, the ridiculers. He's getting the room clear, and I know I'm going to get what I said I could have. I'm making room for a miracle. I'm clearing out my heart and my mind for the power of God, for the blessing of God to take place and root itself in me. I will not trade. This is the, the, this is the walk of faith. It's choosing not to trade what God has said for another word. Amen. Well, yeah, but you've got to see what I see. I'm not leaning on the side of my eyes. Well, yeah, if you knew what I know... I don't need to know your level of knowledge. I love you, praise, bless you. But I got someone at a higher level of knowledge who created all knowledge. 
I'm, I'm leaning my understanding, my thinking on God Almighty. Verse 54. Excuse me, 41. We'd have to write in 54. There is no 54. Verse 41. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talithia Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. She was dead. But Jesus, well, you say, well, now Jesus says she's sleeping. Well, I made this point a couple weeks ago. He is the resurrection in life. Where he shows up, he just brings life with him. There's nothing too far gone with Jesus. When he shows up, death can't live around him. When he shows up, weeping and wailing can't be in his presence. When he shows up, ridiculers, they're shut up and they're forced out. When he shows up, life comes. Why do you hold on to the word of God? Because it's generating life in you. It's building up your most holy faith. Why do you stick, stick on the word of God regardless of what I see or minds think or voices say? Because I know that he who has promised, he's faithful to bring it to pass. And I'm not judging his word based on what I see. Sense knowledge. I'm not. And they made a room for a miracle. Jairus got what he needed from Jesus. And you're no different than Jairus. God doesn't love you more, love you less than Jairus. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. Maybe his powers waned down. No. God hadn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He ain't going to change. If he did change, all of us would be consumed up, Malachi 3.6 says. If God decided to change, you're gone. But because he will not change, you're here. Which means if he promised it, it's yours. Which means when you go to God and you get your word, you get confirmation of the word, and you receive it by faith, you don't let go of it. You don't let loose of it. You take it back to your room. You take it back to your house. And you clear out anything that's contrary to that word. Because it ain't worth it. It ain't worth entertaining other thoughts. James 1 tells us this. When you ask, ask in faith. Because the only other way to ask God is in doubt. And when you ask God in doubt, you're just like the seas of the ocean that go in and come out and maybe so, maybe won't. Who knows? God's pernicious. We'll roll the dice. Maybe. Don't know. Don't let that person think they'll receive anything from God. Anything from God. Doubt is a thief that robs you of the promises of God. But the most beautiful, powerful thing you can take away is this. No one makes that decision of believing or doubting for you. It's your decision. Which means all you got to do is say, I believe. I'm going to live by it. That's what I love about change when it comes to things of my life. When I need to change, some people don't like change. I don't mind change because I, I want to be right, <laughs> which means when I'm wrong, I need to change. And the wonderful thing about change is when I decide to change, I can just change. Change. I'm now doing something different. It's not this big miraculous thing. If I had a 92-year plan, maybe one day I'll get there. No, just change. Just change. I'm going to change my thinking. If it don't line up with God's word, I don't think it. Well, a good practical way to do that, fill your mind with more word. Amen. If you have two verses of Word each day and seven hours of Netflix, you're going to be fighting a hard battle. Amen.
Amen. Or news. Man, you know, I, well, I got to keep up what's going on in the world. I can tell you what's going on right now. Some people are stealing. Some are killing. Some are destroying. They just have a different headline. And they hold you on for 29 minutes and 42 seconds. And the last 18 seconds, they show you this little kitten that rolls a ball. And they do it again for another 30 minutes. And then that time, they show you this little doggy. And they, oh, a good news story. And then they suck you down for another 29 minutes. I need to know. I had one person say this. I need to know. I watch the news. I got to watch the news. I got to know what to pray for. Pray in the Holy Spirit. I, I, you know, you've got a powerful, powerful prayer life, but I don't know if you necessarily need, unless the Lord tell you to intercede for this event that's 3,000 miles away, if your family's going to hell. I need to get my, I need to get this, this world of mine squared away in the things of God before I pretend like I'm going to do these spiritual exercises out here and bind and loose 72 nations. Let's get the promises of God in my life and my marriage and the lives of my children in this church. Let me see this city turned up on its head before I go try to flip the entire continent across the other planet. Let's work the faith in our life now and bring the promise to God of past. And then say, look and see what my God has done. It is the work of the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The room of your heart, the room of your mind, is the most important room that you have responsibility to maintain. Sometimes I'm a very loving and kind husband, and I'll tell Laura, I'll say, Laura, Baby, you left your shoes in, in the living room again. She'll say, do you want me to tell you where you've, what you've left? Are your items the rest of this house? Because by the time I pick up my pair of shoes, I think you'll still be picking up your stuff. I'm going to get my mind, my heart, my life. I'm going to get it on the Word of God. I'm going to take my family with me. I'm going to take this church with me. I'm going to see this city shaken. I'm going to see the things of God come to pass from my life. I ain't going to be denied. I'm going to cut ties with the mockers, with the ridiculers. If you ain't got time for Jesus, you ain't got time for me. If you ain't walking with Jesus, we're on a different path. You can come with me. I want you to come with me. There's room in the house for Jesus lovers. Come on, there's room, but there's no room for the mockers. There's no room for the ridiculers. There's no room for the laughers. There's only room for the truth. Hallelujah. Hey, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith for My Generation podcast channel. Please do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It helps us get this message of the gospel and the word of God out in front of more people. It really does help. And until next time, remember, we are the faithful. God bless.